Hey everybody, it's Jake. With people doing some traveling and hopefully a little more time on their hands, we've got a special double-sized episode for you this time. Rick Cherry is full of great stories and lots of experiences, so we hope you enjoy hearing them as much as we did. plow horses we're not show horses you know get up every day get up every day get up every day welcome to creating community a podcast designed to bring area leaders business owners and others together to better our community i'm your host jake starkey and i'm dorian strickland we're the owners of 1820 coffee house and 1820 marketing in the heart of alvin texas if you're a first-time listener we encourage you to subscribe to hear more you can use apple podcasts spotify google or wherever you get your podcasts in this episode of Creating Community, we're speaking with Rick Cherry. Rick's dad was the founder of what eventually became Cherry Companies in 1952. Rick and his three brothers ultimately took over the company when their father was ready to leave. Rick himself is now retired after 42 years in the business, but we're happy to have him here with us today. Welcome to the show, Rick. Well, glad to have Hey, <laughs> Finally got invited. How finally cool is that, huh? You know, right. so. What are you talking about? Right out of the gate we got right. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure did. Yeah, you yeah. see what happens. You give me free coffee, I'll show up, right? Yeah. So the the first question I have for you is just the, the short version, because I'm sure there's a three-hour version of it, but how does your dad start a business in 1952 that eventually becomes what I see trucks driving down the road mm-hmm. all the time? Yeah. Sure, sure. It's a great story. My dad, Carl Cherry, and my mom, Barbara Cherry. Let's see, in the late 40s, my dad... Let's see, they started in 52. So I think it was like in 45, 1945, my dad was a merchant seaman, and he had a, he was raised in Muldoon, Texas, and uh, my grandfather had a blacksmith shop there, and so he was, you know, used to working on stuff, and he had a little gas station and so on and so on, but he, he was a merchant seaman, and so when he... When he got out of that, he had a friend that worked at Ford Motor Company and here in Houston, down off of Harrisburg. So my dad uh, came and he got hired on at Ford Motor Company and I think he was there a couple of years and his, his and I can't recall his name, I, sh- I should, I guess my older brothers remember, but he kept talking to my dad about going into the house moving business and the house moving business is where you find uh, a house that sits on a lot, and they're going to develop the property, right? They're going to have another purpose for the property. But the house can be salvaged, and so they'll pick it up. They'll move the house to a, to a new location and put it on the foundation. So that's the house moving business, right? And there's different segments of it, but that's a simplistic way. And he's telling him, he goes, he goes, he goes hey, Carl, we, we can make a lot of money, you know, working at this house moving, you know, doing house moving. And I think the guy's name was Bill Wallace, I believe, if I, if, if I recall how the story goes. And so my dad didn't spend any money. He's a country boy, you know what I mean? And they, right. they, they you know, my dad even straightened bent nails. Like, you know, he's one of those kind of guys, right? You know, he just wouldn't spend any money. And he knew my dad had money, you know, because he saved his money and so on. He took him around and they, you know, they bought some old equipment. My dad had no idea. And so... It didn't take him long to figure out that there wasn't a whole lot of work in his new partner, right? You know, they'd kind of like uh-huh. get the job, and, and you know, it's, it's hard work jacking houses up and all that stuff. So yeah. I think after about a year or so, 
they decided they need to part ways because his, his, his partner, his new partner, really all he wanted to do was, you know, talk about work. He really didn't want to do any work. So my dad said he pretty much bought him out. Now he's in full-fledged in-the-house moving business. And he said he's only had about two years' experience in this. He said, we're not very good at it. He said he called himself Atlas House Moving Company. And he finally got him a job somewhere down off of navigation somewhere down there, big old rotten house, and and uh, had a guy working for him named Lewis Bryant. Lewis worked for my dad, uh, I don't know how many years, 40-some-odd years. Lewis taught me a lot when I was coming up. And Lewis is a real matter-of-fact type of guy, you know. And, and uh, my dad said, first thing he did, he got him a big old sign, put Atlas House Moving with a phone number on it, you know. It's first job. Boy, probably we be be proactive and and this is like i think guess now in the late 40s early 50s he said this house is in bad shape and they're trying to jack it up the more they jacked on it the worse it got you know and he didn't quite know what to do house come apart everything else finally he looked at lewis lewis had some experience right and 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 he said lewis he said man i i don't i don't know what we're going to do he said what do you think we need to do lewis and uh they always called my dad mr cherry and he said well he kind of stood there, and, you know, everybody wore straw hats, and he kind of kicked his hat back and scratched his head, and he looked at him. He said, well, Mr. Cherry, you know, first thing I would do, he said, no, Lewis, what's that? I'd go get that big old sign out of the front yard because this job ain't looking so good. <laughs> you know, so that's one of the stories my dad tells, you know, about, about his history. And how he met my mom is he got to be a, uh, a subcontractor to Old Shan. And Old Shan okay. was... You know, it, it, back at that time, they were in the house moving business in, in a large demolition company, and, and then they had, they had their lumber yard. And back in those days, they salvaged everything, you know, that, uh, and so later on, that's the same thing. My dad kind of followed that same model, but I'll kind of get to that in a few minutes. But that's actually where he met my mom. She was a secretary at Olshan, and my dad was doing work for them, and he goes through there, and he said, there's a pretty redheaded girl in there, and he finally got a chance to talk to her, and she finally could talk to him, and you know, one thing led to another, and eventually they, they started dating and, and, and got married. Um, and so that's kind of how, that, that's actually how they met. And uh, so and what they would do back, at, back in those days, when, when you found something that, that wasn't really movable, that it didn't make good economic sense to actually move the house, well, then they would use labor, and they would come in, and they'd dismantle it. They would, you know, and, and they would take it apart board by board, nail by nail they'd they'd pull all the material pull all the nails out of it and the pieces that were straight you know they would take it back to the lumber yard and then they would then they would sell it well that's what Oshan did back in the day that's how they really got in the lumber business especially with them now they were in demolition as well my dad really didn't do just demolition work he was just house moving and then they did do way back in the day they did do some some salvage you know as far as those types of things And so that's kind of how they, they, they got started in, uh, in the house-moving business. And so you kind of fast-forward. My dad had a pretty successful business, I think, coming up well-respected. My dad, you know, had a ninth-grade education. Uh, and as we kind of fast-forward through, you know, through our childhood, there's four boys, you know, and I'm next, I'm next to youngest. Um, and... Let's see. So, some of, we were in 4-H growing up, and uh, especially my older two brothers were real big into into 4-H. 
I mean, I did it. My mom had me raise some rabbits and stuff, and I never was real big on that stuff. I mean, just, you know, so. But my older two brothers, and so we get drug off to these these shows and, you know, to dress up and wear white stuff and, you know what I mean, all that stuff. So, so me and my little brother, moral of that story was me and him kind of gravitated more to my dad's house moving. And we had his yard, you know, and his trucks and all that stuff out there, and we'd go out there and, my dad let us drive the trucks. Even when we were little, he'd let us drive them around. He was, his big old Mack trucks. We'd put it in gear, and we did one time until we ran over some fence, and so my mom <laughs> made us stop, you know. But we learned how to drive a truck before we learned how to drive a car. I bet we were I bet six, seven years old driving a, driving a wow. truck, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't have any. We don't have one car. That was my mom's car. She wasn't going to let anywhere close that. to that. <laughs> you know, my dad lets you drive an old truck around and, and all that sort of stuff. So me and my little brother... Me and my little brother spent, we 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 go out and shop all the time, you know, and bang around and take stuff apart we never could put back together and all that sorts of stuff. Well, my older two brothers, they were they were really in 4-H and showing cows and and all that sorts of stuff. We used to have uh, Jersey cows to where, you know, we had some goats and all that. And goats, would, you know, they'd stand up on top of the roof of the house half the time. And anyway, but. We were raised on, on uh, you know, on a, on a farm, and it was really right here outside of Pearland, right, right off of Alameda Genoa in, in Cullen is where we were, is where we were raised at up until, uh, let's see, our house caught on fire. My dad's shop was, it was about a five-acre track, and my dad's, my dad's uh, shop was, you know, and his house moving equipment, and then we had a couple of barns where we raised some cows. Yep, so... Uh, well, it sounds like you and your younger brothers wanted to get into the business before your older brothers. Is that right? Yeah, they were a little smarter too. You know, <laughs> to work. You know, and and uh, so, but no, we just kind of gravitated. We just kind of gravitated to that, and I guess really too, looking back at it, and, and both of them were so successful. I mean, they were. You know, like you have to go try to follow them around. Like you know, you're like number three, and you're number four. Like okay, and uh, but it never did really. It, it never really did interest me a whole lot, you know. Even still today, you know, my younger brother's got a bunch of cattle. Excuse me. He's got a bunch of cattle. And I told him, if you don't have to put gas and oil in it or something, I don't want it. You know what I mean? I, I'm just I'm just kind of, I mean, I know how to take care of cows and so on. I just never really was too interested in them. So my older two brothers, they, they go off. Uh, John was always in sales, and and he could... You know, and he could he could, he could talk to you know he could just he could just talk to anybody and everybody about anything. So he was in sales, and he was always real good looking too. My oldest brother was. You know, he's one of the kind of guys that just you know people look at us like and eh, look at him like hey, how are you doing? You know what I mean? So, but uh, not and, jealous at all. Yeah, no. no. I mean, you know, kind of like thinking anyway. But then, so John was off in sales. Leonard, uh, brother just older than me, he uh, he went into the fire department and i think he's the smartest one of the group because at least he had a regular job so he went into the houston fire department we were real proud of him to be able to do that and so my mom had some health issues and my dad's business really started to struggle and so when i graduated high school actually right before i graduated high school there's a whole nother story about that but we won't get into that but so we graduated high school i went straight I went into working for my dad. And when I came to work for him, my little brother's still in high school. So when I came out of uh, school, I went to work for him, and he had, he had two employees when I came to work. We had one old 
one old wrench truck and and my mom's car that was that was uh it was it was just an okay shape just an okay shape and and uh and my dad was trying to do best he could you know just trying to sure. to get it you know to keep it keep it all together and keep moving forward and uh they were super people they really were i tell you they just they just worked hard and they loved their kids and they loved christ and they they just did the best they could. My dad's sure. advice was always, somebody, I'd hear him, people would ask him, say, well, how do you raise all four of them boys and still try to run a business? He said, what the key to it is, he said, is that you, uh, you work hard every day, but you got to save some because you got to get up the next morning and go do it all over again. You know, just do it all over again. That's the way my dad's mentality was, is that, you know, you just, each day, Captain you up. know, each day and, uh, that you, that you uh, get up and, and you go to work real hard. So, so, real quick, when you retired 42 years later, right? So you, you just had three employees, dad, right. two employees, right? How many people were at Cherry Companies when you retired? About 300. About 300. Yeah. So that's significant growth over 40 years. Yes. 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 How did it change from? Obviously, it grew, but right. Right. And I can only think of the safety measures and stuff that you experienced mm-hmm. back then were probably not the same as they are today, um, for any number of things. What, what, what's the biggest change you think from 40 years ago to today that you kind of experienced? Well, that's a huge leap uh, that I don't know quite how to, how, how you would just summarize it in a short statement. Number one, I guess the number one thing you have to have is, is the ethics and the, and the morals and the hard work uh, because it was huge, huge sacrifice for my parents, huge huge sacrifice and I can tell stories about when when um, all four of the boys came back together into the business and we're we got maybe I mean maybe this fast forward five years or so and so I came back and then you know they all started coming back Keith had graduated and then Johnny come in Leonard came in and then he worked there part-time because he's in the fire department and then John came back in and here it is we're still this little small company with maybe 10 employees at this time um, it was really for the nucleus of that was really my dad's leadership. You know, my dad's leadership was, and he'd say to us, is that if I can get all of y'all to really work together, work together, we're a family, we're like, yeah, I'm trying to tell a bunch of teenager, 20 Boys. plus year old, where I'm, you know, you know, we'd turn desk over and one of them would tell the other one something and something and another, you know, we're just a little on the rowdy side, but, but, uh, don't let everybody get between us, but you know, no, they all knew better than that, but. But uh, uh, you know, we used to, you know, we used to throw stuff out the window every once in a while at each other and stuff like that too. But we still loved each other. We'd always tell each other we loved each other. We're throwing the other one out the window, but that's not quite true. I'm kind of, I'm kind of teasing there. But, but well, anyway. So, but, um, so, but, but, but the leadership of that, and when we started working together, and so that kind of somewhat answer your question is that if you have a, a group, a team in your business is communication and training and understanding is critical, right? In the same way with the nucleus of the family, because like, for example, y'all have here, you know, well, this is y'all's, this is y'all's family, right? People that you bring in, you know, and you put your arms around them, you train them and you teach them and so on. So to me, if I could summarize it is that, you know, number one, you have to select the right people, right? You have to get the right ones, get the right fit. And then you have to be a good trainer and teacher and communicator to be able to build a team. 
some of the times you get people that are not a fit, right? And you have to kind of, you know, okay, make some changes and those types of things. So I don't know if I quite answered your question, but. I think the thing to me was that you said working together. If if he can get, if your dad can get all y'all to work together. And I think that is key that if everyone is working together, they're probably heading in the same direction. They got the same thoughts. They're heading, they have the same goal at the end of the day. And to me, that's what makes a successful team. Different people, different parts, doing different things. But you're all heading in the same direction. Well, let me ask you this. So your dad was running the business. It ultimately divided into three branches. Is that correct? No, three divisions? No, he, he, was, he wasn't running. Once no, no. All, once it went to, your, once, went to you and your brothers, it's never divided into three? Well, no. I mean, well, yes. That's way down. Right. That's, but, but my question is, when that happened and your dad is no longer kind of overseeing everything, how do you keep his values when it's starting to divide up and grow into a company of 300 people? Well, well understand that some... 25, 30 years later, but one of the things my dad did in the early, early, and this is, I guess, think about it, I guess it was in the early 80s, because we've been married 84, so in the early 80s that went off for maybe the late, yeah, early 80s, is that all four of the boys came back into business. One of the things my dad did for each one of us is he would try to give us advice, and he would try to understand we were raised kind of in the business. We were raised in the business. I kind of left that part out, but we were raised in it. I mean, and we'd have to go to work. Let me start at the beginning. There wasn't, you know, you didn't do a whole lot more than go to work. Because my dad had four boys, and he's in business, and guess what? He, you know, he didn't need to go hire a whole lot Free more. Free labor. He had four boys. And so I kind of left that part of it out. But but that really was. And, and, and so we all worked. I mean, we all worked doing it. And, different facets and whatever. So I always felt I did more work than some of my brothers, but you know, that's just me. But, and again, they are listening. So I'm yeah, sure they'll I remember mean, you know, this. So, yeah. yeah. So, but, but, uh, but, but what my dad had the ability to be able to do is to try to coach us, but we didn't take coaching real well. We really didn't. We were a little hard headed and we like, I got this, I got this. And he'd say, I wouldn't really do that. I would not do that. I would, I would, you need to think about this. I got this. Yeah, I got it. I got it. It's just what? Let me show you. Well, after you pooched it up real good, you kind of like, and, 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 and he had the ability to allow you to make mistakes. He'd allow you to make mistakes. And he'd look, and then he wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't drive it into you. He wouldn't beat you down with it. I'm sure he wanted to, like, like over top of the head. Like, you know, because we're supposed to be turning a profit and you've done this or done that because you're being hard-headed and you're not listening. But he had the ability to let you kind of wade off into it, you know. And and it taught all, all of us, all four of us, at a young age, you know, there's something there's something to be said for having a team. You know, have people got your back and, you know, you've been able to work through, being able to work through things. Yeah. So you said you you were raised in the business. So was your intent always to work for Cherry? No, not sure. What yeah. what was your what was your goal in life? What did you sure. really want to do? I, I'm not real sure what I was going to do, but <laughs> going back there and doing that, it wasn't really it wasn't really high on my list. You know, like eh, I'd really like to have done nothing for a while. Be honest with you, you know, because you know we didn't go play baseball. We didn't get to go do this, that, and the other. We went to work. You know what I mean? So. School was easy comparison to going to move houses and carrying cribbing blocks and all that sorts of stuff. So, you know, but uh, uh, but kind of finished and kind of move on through the 
the family uh, business um, is that so somewhere about about the let's see we're married in eighty four so that's because Amy and I were just talking about it. so so about that time we were really starting to come together and 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 build a market through house moving we weren't doing demolition work we were doing house raising house leveling and uh and and house moving and understand about the house moving business is you buy and sell houses we'd go into west university memorial river oaks west university that's where the development was and we would we would work with either the landowners or the developers that would buy the house and we would we would move the house we'd take the house we'd buy the house we'd clean the lot for them but we'd take that house and my brother Keith still does the same thing today then we would sell that house to someone and we'd move it to their location, to their land, and then we would put it up on the foundation for them, okay? And I, I tell you how many hundreds of houses we moved right around here, moved in and out, so I got... And so we moved them all over town. And we were really starting to get some momentum. Um, and then about... Uh, and, we, and we had... My dad finally started to borrow a little money, borrow some money so that we could... We could get enough equipment to be able to do the work that we had and uh, let's see about in uh, maybe 85 is when is when the uh, crisis hit for us maybe 86 and the bank stepped in the bank went under uh, and they called in our notes that that we had borrowed at the at the bank and I think it was some hundred thousand dollars or something that my mom and dad had borrowed put into business to help get a little bit of equipment for us to be able wow. to continue to grow um and so my dad i think they gave him like 45 days you know to come up with the come up with the money and so my dad did everything they could and they borrowed and they mortgaged their house and i think they borrowed from 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 family to be able to pay the bank off and so at that time, we would all have breakfast in, in our mom and dad's kitchen because the, the shop was in the back and the house was up in the front. So we'd always have breakfast in there each morning. And uh, and so we had a, that's where our meetings were, you know. So it was always fun, too, because you get at least you get to eat. So, and I had really super good breakfast. But, but uh, I still miss that today. But Mom's anyway. cooking. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I had some biscuits that were just, wow. Anyway, so, but... The uh, they said, "Hey, look, we we got the bank paid off. You know, we we had to mortgage everything your dad and I've got, and and so if you boys, the four of us, if you don't, if you don't make a go of it, your dad and I are gonna lose everything, everything, lock, stock, and barrel, everything that we've got." And then she looked across the table at all of us. She goes, "I'm gonna have to come live with one of y'all." Oh, well, I just got <laughs> married. I don't want my mom come living with me. You know what I mean? No, no. I love my mom, but no, 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 no. I don't want her living with me. So, uh, at the, at that point, I mean, it, it became it became real. It became real serious. Well, it seems like that was kind of the point that it was almost transferred from your your dad's problem to y'all's problem. And, Absolutely. You know, and and y'all took ownership. Absolutely. Maybe not on paper, but you took ownership. Right. Right. In your heart. Absolutely. That, okay, now it's our turn to go and do this. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we were all active and involved. And, right. I mean, we were certainly, the four of us were moving the business forward. But for me, 
and I guess you interviewed my other brothers, what turning point it was for them. But I think I think all of us would agree. And what it taught us, excuse me, what it taught us at a very young business age, and understand we're in our, I guess, and I'm in my, what, middle mm-hmm. 20s. I'm 24 or something, maybe, whatever I am. <laughs> right. I don't know how old I am. You know, but but at a very young age, I mean, you had a, had a lot of, uh, it, 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 it taught us a lot. And then also how quickly the climate in the markets can change, you know, and part of it was that we weren't in tune to what happened with the oil. I mean, we knew it was going, but we were still, we were still going forward. We were still moving forward. And we also had to become better at understanding the trends and, 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 and also being able to have a little bit better network of friends, you know, of, of, of people that weren't in the same business as us, but at least could help teach us about some trends, you know, like and so on. It's much easier today because you can hear so many of the trends and, and you can pull them up on television, you know, 30 some odd years ago, whenever it was, uh, it didn't seem to be, it didn't seem to be as quite as, as, as easy it is today. And that's my advice for, for young businesses is you need a network. You need you need a network, and I and I I know with me I had several uh, people that had had mentored me, had mentored me through my faith, had mentored me through business, and some of them were both the same, you know, and helped me grow as you know as a, a person, helped me grow as a father, helped me grow as a husband, and helped me grow as a business owner. You know, they're all connected, you know, starting with their faith, and uh, but. You know, if you're if you're going to be in business today, there's so many gotchas. It is in it it it. You know, it, it it's frightening sometimes of that. With you need a, you need a CPA. You know, you need an attorney for the labor laws and and all of the all of these. I'm not going to get into all of those, but all of these various gotchas, mm-hmm. sales tax and this and that and the other. All of those things. Uh, and if you're small and you're uh, starting up, how do you not stumble? Because if you stumble one time, guess what? You're out, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're out of business. But if you had mentors through, you know, to be able to help. So your advice is to have mentors and maybe somebody that can do those specialized skills that you're not capable of doing Absolutely. as an individual, even if you're a small business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And understand, understand what your limitations are. I think that's a great piece of advice. And another thing that you said a second ago really stuck with me too about when you were talking about your network, the way you described it as it's you can work on your business and you can be going on all cylinders. You can be doing great. You can not make any mistakes and your business can still fail because you're not looking at what's going on around you. And that to me is key that we can, any business can do as great as they can and never make any mistakes but if they're not paying attention to the stock market going down, they're not paying attention to external forces. Yes. Yep. You have no control over, yeah. right? You know, and then all of a sudden it's kind of like you get blindsided, you know, right. type of thing. You know, there's some legislature's law. There's some laws that have changed, and you know, and then there's a gotcha. I'll call those gotchas, you know, and 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 we had we had a lot of gotchas. We did, uh, and we were just blessed to be able to weather to weather them, you know, and but. And it, so much of how we grew is once we, we call it, and, and we still use this, we use this terminology of it is part of our, 
you know, our mission statement with cherry companies, one, two, three, pull the rope. One, two, three, pull the rope, you know. Other thing I think y'all have heard, because, you know, we know each other, but right. we're, 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 you know, we're plow horses. We're not show horses. You know, you get up every day. Get up every day. Get up every day. Like my dad would say, how do you, how do, you do it? Save a little bit because you're going to get up and go do it again tomorrow. Don't, you know, don't, don't be like a sprinter because you're going to run out of steam. What do you got to have? You got to have that, that grind. You know, what other thing college call it grinders. You know, what is it? And, and how we became successful is we outworked them. We outworked them because we would, we would grind it. You know, we would grind it. We would grind it. So let's take a quick break, and then I want to come back and talk about that a little bit. If you have marketing needs, we can help. Whether you're looking for business cards, brochures, a website, or digital advertising, 1820 Marketing can help you take your business to the next level. During this exceedingly difficult time of a worldwide pandemic, businesses should be focusing more on marketing, not less. If you've tried marketing on your own and haven't found the success you're looking for, try something different. You can contact 1820 Marketing on our website at 1820marketing.com. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about, obviously things have changed significantly, I would say, and I was a kid in the 80s, mm-hmm. but your idea of we're a plow horse, not a workhorse, or a plow sure. horse, not a short <laughs> horse. Right. Well, some can, of us. Yeah, 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 if yeah, I can get yeah, the yeah. analogy right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like today's youth, people that are getting into the workforce now, they're showing up with no work skills and a degree and they want to be the show horse and they want to be vice presidents. They want to be, you know, mm-hmm. directors of this or that without having mm-hmm. been the workhorse. Mm-hmm. What can be done in a business to reverse that besides just not hiring people? What I would, when I would talk to, to young people, you know, as far as high schoolers or so on and over the years, how many hundreds or, you know, I've, you know, inter- friends and family and what have you and what have you and what have you. You can just imagine how many. But I said, number one thing you have to do when you get ready to go interview for a job, you got to make sure you show up on time. Like, get there early. Number two you need to be able to do is you need to be able to interview. You need to be able to research the company. We, we spend a lot of money on a website. It tells you who's who and what's what and so on. This is really even before all, you know, you could go Google, you just pull it up. It's easy. It's everywhere. We just spent all this money on advertising for Cherry, you know, all the way from the, you know, the website on the back of a tailgate of a truck, you know what I mean, type of thing. So with the branding and got a whole story about branding, you know, and so on. But, uh, and, I, and I would try to coach them along. Because I can't tell you how many young people have come in there. They had no clue what we did. They just want a job. What can you do? Well, something I, you know, got my associate's degree in this and so on. Well, how does that apply to what we do? Well, I'm not real sure. Well, I'm certainly not. So you need to convince me why I need to hire you. Right. You know, and so on. But, so they need to be prepared. They really do. Um, and, and really the work ethic is what I see, to kind of summarize it, is with so many, and and. We see it in older adults as well. I mean, so I'm not just going to dump on a high school, right? Correct. You know, I think if you did it in high school and you can't get it together by the time you, you know, you're getting ready to go into college or vocational school or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, that that work ethic, you know? Sure. You know, it's kind of like my dad, ninth grade education, you know, raised in a blacksmith shop, you know, type of thing. 
What did my dad do? My dad'd be up at five thirty every morning and be drinking his coffee. Sometimes we'd give him a hard time, he'd still be in his boxer shorts wandering around drinking his coffee, you know, as a kid. But but you know, so but to that work ethic, to be able to know that that uh, that, that you're providing something for the business as well. Right? Yeah. You know, you're there. Oh, yeah. So Yeah. Well, you know, Right now, with the pandemic going on right now, there's a lot of people that are doing exactly what you said not to do. Don't get out there and sprint, right? There's people that are owning businesses that are worried about money coming in, so they're trying to sprint to get as much money as they can. There are people that are applying for jobs that are trying to just find a job where they can get money because they're sprinting to get in there. So how can you – what advice would you give somebody on either side of that coin to slow down and stop sprinting, start – working for the long haul, even though people are scared of what's happening in the world right now? Well, you, you, have, to, you have to work. You have to get a job, you know, regardless, whatever that may be, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, today I can imagine that my heart goes out to so many individuals and families that are, that are struggling with, 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 with the virus. Um, but you got to get a job, you know. You got to get a job, and so even if it's not the job that you're looking for, uh, and you get it, you try to do your dead level best. Just do your best that you can do with it. And how long is this? How long is this landscape going to be? No one knows, right? Yeah. My my opinion is that we're headed for some, you know, hard economic times. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, you know. But uh, and so. Is it going to get easier to find a job? Is it going to get harder? Yeah. No. Right. And we should mention we're actually recording this before the election and before anything's kind of changed a whole lot. It's still out there. It's still confusing times right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. And I, you know, I, I think I think they're going to raise taxes. They have to to be able to pay back, you know, the amount of money that the government's done. But hey, I'm no, I'm no economist and whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I just. you know, yeah. but but as far as you know, as far as the young people goes, you need to get a job. You get a job. I don't care what it may be. You get a job and it, and try to get you a full time job and make it the very very best that you can do. Make it the best you can do. You know, okay. And if you fail, learn from it. We all fail. You know, I can. We have enough time to be able to talk about things that mistakes that I have made, and you have to pick yourself up and brush yourself off. You know, and and. Yeah. Turn it over to God and say, okay, good Lord, just give me, you know, give me the wisdom to not be that stupid again. I won't make that mistake <laughs> yeah, again. You know, right, type. Yeah. That's a good so, prayer to have. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like, because we've, we've all been there. You know, we've all, all been through those well, things. So. Kind of like you said, and I, I, I know we've said it before, but one of the things I have told my son is I'd rather you fail leaning in to try and absolutely. do something than succeed yeah. at not doing something. Yeah. And, and I think that people are just really scared nowadays of making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, well, I call it hustle mistake. You know, I used to have all these people that say if they make a mistake, it kind of mess up pretty bad. But you know, what's the real intent? You know, what were they? Yeah. Man, they were charging for it, or they were really trying to right. go for it. And we're like, okay, you know, that one. It, it's kind of like you hear about the race car drivers. You know, you can kind of slow some of them. You know, some of them down, kind of give them so they don't tear the car up, and they be able to finish the race. <laughs> you know, right. or the guys running in the back back there, hollering whatever. You know, how are you going to speed that guy up? Right? I mean, right. You, know, you hear about it. You know, and all that. All the same. That's the a good same, analogy. The same way it goes all the time. Is that is that with them if they're hustling and they're working hard and they make a mistake? That's kind of what my dad felt. I think with all of us, 
I mean, we would we'd tear stuff up. We didn't have any money to fix it. And he's like, my heavens, you know, here you go again. But at least we were charging forward, you know, way right. too fast without a whole lot of preparation, you know, but uh, but it is well. So. so it sounds like some people probably need to hear what you're saying here is don't be afraid to get a job that other people don't see as glamorous. Don't hold out for a management position when there's a full-time job that you're going to do great at. And just get in there and hustle, and before you know it, you're going to be where you want to be. That's it. That's it. Because I would look at, I would look at their, their work performance. Not as much, because we could train them. We could teach them. We could yeah. teach them. You know, and, and you listen to so many of the football coaches and so on. You know, they talk about who they're going to draft. Is he smart? You know? Jimmy Johnson with the Cowboys, you know, if y'all seen his little documentary thing he does, I, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Is that gets beyond his hairspray and all that stuff in his hair. But, <laughs> but you know, he talked about you give me somebody that's smart, I'll, you know, if they got some little flaw, I'll teach them, you know, if they got the right, right character and so on. So. Yeah, that's true. I, I was just going to say, you have two kids yourself, three. right? Three. You have three kids yourself. I do. None of them are going into the business. No. Okay. No, Your other brothers, they have children or any of them going into the business? We did. So to go back to the back to the family is, you know, is uh let's see, I have I have I have three I have a beautiful wife of how many years? Thirty <laughs> thirty six. Thirty six years. It's, it's I gotcha. Been, Thanks for the help, Jake. <laughs> it's it's really cool too because you know, we, we, we met and then we dated for six years and and then you know, and and best thing that ever happened to me. You know, just just true, true blessing. True, true blessing. Tell you, yeah. hands down. So, good Lord's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna put a good woman in your life, and I will just don't mess it up, right? Type of thing. So, but we have three beautiful children, have uh, two grandchildren. So, yeah, it's been pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. awesome. But the the family goes as far as the Cherry Clan. Um, let's see. So, after we go through all of the bankruptcy stuff, and and we got serious about it, that's when the company really started growing. And, and so understand we're in the house moving business and that market, we're competing with foreclosures, right? People could go buy mm. foreclosures in the mid eighties now or so on, you know, that, that they could, they could go buy four whole, whole lot house and all cheaper than what we could move one for. So our market was almost going away. And so we, we did everything that we could just to be able to try to make payroll, just to be able to try to feed the families, you know, because there's minimal work out there. And we were so, so blessed to be able to survive that as a family. Um, and so as we finally, the markets started coming back and, you know, you know, the revamp within, within the, the, the Gulf Coast, you know, area. Uh, and, and we were able to hang on. I mean, absolutely just, just hang on. But as the market started to come back, uh, what we realized we already knew but we started focusing on how can we expand the business from a house moving company and only one out of one out of 10 houses that we would look at were really movable because wow. either have an oak tree in the yard somebody's like in west university they're you're not going to remove this oak tree to be able to take this house out no you know and so in in those houses had to be torn down and so first we started uh my brother Leonard, my brother John started, they started bidding the demolition work because we already had the connections with the developers. And at that time, sure. so many were developers. They'd come in and they would buy, then they would remove it, and then they'd build something, and then they would sell, right? They, they, they would yeah. sell the home, uh, the new home. And so we gradually started subbing out 
uh, had a couple of subcontractors that we started seven demolition contractors. Then the whole intent was within a couple of years, then we bought our first piece of equipment, borrowed the money, you know. And because by now we'd already recovered from a couple of years back when we almost, you know, got my mom and dad got got them paid off from from all that. So then we bought our our first uh, track wheel loader. Um, I guess it was maybe like 1988 or something like that, maybe 87. And then we started off in the in the demolition business, started tearing houses down, you know. And uh, so. And then somebody said, "Let's start blowing stuff up." Well, that came that came years and years later. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could good thing they didn't give us an opportunity back then. We, you know, they didn't really we didn't know what we were doing. But we certainly gave it a try, you know. But uh, uh, so then we, I think in maybe the early nineties. Then we grew in demolition. We were the largest generator of, of material going into the landfills. We were blowing and going next to the city of Houston. We are tearing stuff up. We were good at that. My dad said, finally found something these boys can do, you know, that, that uh, is, is they're halfway qualified to do, you know. Because my dad used to always tell us, he'd try to encourage us. We got just enough sense to do it. If we had a little bit more sense, we'd go get another job, you know. But uh, so, yeah, he used to always try to encourage that way, tell us how smart we were. But uh, yeah. So. But from there, then we, then I think in, um, let's see, maybe the early 90s, we started up the first concrete recycling yard. And so, because we had all this concrete, right, you know, tearing all this stuff. Now we're doing commercial. We graduated from, from in demolition, we started residential, and then we'd gone to, we'd gone to commercial. Because the good thing that, because we did a good, good job, doing residential and so many of them were high-end clients that we worked for memorial and west university and bel-air and all those types of growing areas right and when they come to find out well they'd have a commercial well you call them cherry guys they're all over west university you know call them and so we got a couple of first good commercial jobs tearing like bank buildings down and strip centers and and all that sorts of stuff uh our relationship with old shin uh they were they were, were not worldwide, but they were nationwide. Ocean was in demolition, yeah. and they would they would kind of took us under their wing, and uh, that we helped them on a couple of big projects like VA hospital that they did. We went to the first implosion. First implosion that we that we were part of was the uh, was the uh, one in Dallas. Can't remember the name of it, and uh, it uh, that was the first implosion. That uh, that we were involved with. Uh, and what year was that? I don't know. Eighties, nineties. It was in the nineties. Nice. Yeah, it was early. I'd say maybe. I don't know. Very cool that a big company like Olshan would take you under their uh-huh. wings, though. Because yeah. I think a lot of companies would look today, particularly, at a new up and coming company as competition. Somebody oh, yeah. need to destroy, oh, yeah. not somebody they want to help. But the relationship was. Keep in mind, my mom worked for Mister Olshan. My dad was yeah. a subcontractor to them way back in the in the gotcha. you know in the fifties, right? Yeah. And so here it is now. We're in the eighties or, or or you know late eighties, early nineties, whatever it was. We got it all written down somewhere, you know, whatever all those dates are. But uh, uh, and, and 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 so they basically mm-hmm. kind of brought us along. But they had grown so much that they needed they needed somebody to help with their local presence, somebody they could trust. Nice. So it was kind of a win win. Yeah. Know, so. One, again, like. Dorian said, "Growing trust in a 
competitor, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. That that's an interesting mm-hmm. thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we talked about marketing earlier, I will say that the best marketing I've ever seen of any company is y'all because you walked Fantastic. in one day with a <laughs> thing that looked like a stick of dynamite. At cherry to, companies on it mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. give to one of our friends who yeah. absolutely loved it. Yeah. He still yeah. talks oh, yeah. about it to this day. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought we were going to get arrested. He kept waving <laughs> it around <laughs> the restaurant. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we were yeah we were we that was were good. good back in the early days. That's where I was on. That's when I was on television so much because every time we'd move anything, my dad would joke about it. We could be moving an outhouse, and I'd call my mom would send out faxes to all of the different media, and they'd come out and film us moving anything. I mean anything, just anything that we could do to to get. To get her name in the paper, get get her name on the news. Yeah, that's it was smart. all positive. Yeah, we weren't like doing anything wrong. I mean, you know what I mean. But uh, oh yeah, so we yeah. oh yeah we were we were big into into that. That was my my thing. I like doing that. That was you know anything you could do for branding and name recognition. Oh right? yeah, you know yeah. that still holds true today. I mean, I think a lot of people miss the opportunity that maybe they don't even see. So yep. I think that's a I think that's a good piece of advice. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, we both appreciate you taking the time to come in and sit down and hang out with us. We get to see you once a week hanging out, but it's fun to get you in here and on the podcast and and telling us a little bit more about your background. And you have a lot of great stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just got to scratch the surface on this. Well, you know what? That's true. I think we could sit here and talk for hours without question. The last thing I have for you is there's a lot of friends that we have as we're getting older. We know more and more friends that are retired and they all say the same thing. They're busier now in retirement mm-hmm. than they ever were in work. Mm-hmm. Have you found that to be the case? And, and how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, at, at first for me, uh, I've been, I think I sold, I sold a company to my brother Leonard in 2015. It was a huge adjustment and I was not prepared for, for it. And I don't know if anyone was. Some people say, well, you need a plan or you need this or that and the other. I don't know. I didn't have a plan. I was kind of like, okay, you know, we're going to go fish. We'll go play a little golf. We're going to do this, that, and the other. I'm, I'm not really sure. You know, and, um, but I, I, would, I would think my advice would be after five years of, of retirement is you, you, you have to be busy, you know, and, 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 and and I was I was blessed enough that that I had some equipment and we had some property and I had some do and I you know set up some houses, and 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 so on for our kids and Amy and I did, um, but it still wasn't the same. And what I missed the most were the people because we were a family business, you know. And there's there's second third generation families that work for the business, and I'd go see them. But if you hung around or too long, people start going, well, something, another, and so on. It wasn't the same. Yeah. It just, it, you know, it just, sure. just wasn't quite the same. And so. Start looking at their watches or yeah, clocks. Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, I don't know how you you prepare yourself. Um, the other thing with me is within my faith, I could grow. It's one thing I did do very well in my, in one sense with that, I could really grow my faith. I could really, because I had, and I hate to say this, but it's the truth. I had no more excuses. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, go to church and do that. But was I really, really focusing on my faith, taking the time to, you know, to, to spend time spend time with God and spend time in His Word? No, not really. I thought, okay, now, Ricky, what excuse are you going to have now, right? I don't have any, right? So, but it really did. It brought me brought me much closer to, to the Lord, and uh, that bridged the gap. Whatever gap I had, that bridged the gap. Still looking for my true calling. I'm not quite sure what 
what what that's going to be. Don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it's all good. Last question. I know you, you talked a lot about what your dad had to say and how he did how he did things, how he passed those things on mm-hmm. to you, and you're trying to do that for the next generation. What is the one piece of advice given to you that you've held on to that has had the most impact on you? Wow. Okay. Uh, that's a good question. I guess one piece of advice would be is you have to put God first. You have to put God first. Because you can't go it on your own. You know, and even as big an ego as I had, like, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't. You look back and go, ah, you know, who makes it all, you know, who makes it all possible? You know, who, who gets you up every morning and has the sun in the skies and, you know, and puts a joy in your heart. It's a good Lord. So, yeah. Fantastic. Great answer. All right. Well, typically we ask, how can people find out more about you? But since you're no, retired, we're, we're not. We're <laughs> we're not nobody want, you don't want anybody calling you. No, nah, we don't need anybody calling. They <laughs> However, call. they can call Cherry Companies if they need any kind of destruction, absolutely. any kind of house moving, any uh, of that absolutely. kind of stuff. My brother Keith's still at it. My brother Leonard's about to retire. My oldest brother John, he's Cherry Environmental. So yeah, there's Cherry Demolition, Cherry Crush Concrete. There's all kind of Cherry companies around there. Yeah. You and know? if you're in the Houston area, you'll see those trucks everywhere. Yeah, licensed <laughs> in. 28 states. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that, that's yeah. quite a growth. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, bet they, I bet now that I had not ask. I have to ask. I bet they're 400, 400 or Well, so. Rick, like we said before, we could sit here and talk to you for hours. We absolutely love talking to you. We're, we're happy to see you every week when you're not, um, you know, gone. Fishing. So. <laughs> exactly. yeah, I, I, I didn't want to throw out what yeah, you're doing, but, yeah, but we really appreciate when you're here. Yeah. We appreciate you taking the time to come out here. We know it's uh, probably right. past your bedtime at this point. It so is. Yeah, it is. We're you, gave, go. you gave me coffee, man. We did it's give you cool. coffee. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. what's better than uh, sitting and talking to a bunch of friends with right. uh, coffee? All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in. Creating Community is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to help us write a review, it would be greatly appreciated. And that's honestly the best way to help the podcast be heard by others. This podcast is produced by 1820 Marketing. For show notes, visit 1820copyhouse.com slash podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.